is the Spiritual Coaching Dashboard. Our mission is to train those who give spiritual counsel to others. Whatever your skill level, we offer accessible and practical advice to those whose life or work frequently leads them to spiritual conversations. Our goal is to foster a growing relational connection with and loyalty to the God of the Bible. We help people choose life-giving reactions to the warning lights on the dashboard of their lives. Our passion comes from the belief that only healthy hearts can know God deeply and follow Him fully. Welcome, everyone, to the Spiritual Coaching Dashboard. This podcast, first launched a year ago, is a tool for training my expanding team of spiritual coaches at our growing multi-site church. I can't tell you how surprised I was that now hundreds of people are listening around the world. Wherever you are on the globe, Nancy and I are honored to have you aboard. Speaking of Nancy, my beautiful bride is in the studio with me today. (laughs) Well, thank you, honey. And hello, everyone. If you're interested in going back and listening to any of the three previous seasons, it would be helpful to begin with the first episode of season one. Each podcast is a standalone topical treatment, but they are episodic, so listening out of order will leave you without some necessary foundational content. Our intention with this podcast is to keep the explanation simple and relatable, and for the most part, avoid the clinical and theological terminology. So what I did is I swapped that out for modern and easily recognizable metaphors to explain spiritual and biblical ideas, as well as coaching techniques and, and approaches. Now, that doesn't mean that our content is overly simplistic or, or dumbed down or, or, or unhelpful to those who are further down the road, just that it's accessible and immensely usable. No matter your familiarity with the subject, you will be able to follow along at whatever level of experience and discover new ways to talk to others about spiritual subjects. Yes, and as we enter this fourth season, we will begin to offer true standalone episodes, tackling both new content as well as returning to subjects we already addressed but feel deserve greater attention. A new feature going forward will be answering specific questions that our listeners have submitted. Questions about specific spiritual coaching subjects or establishing and maintaining a spiritual coaching practice in your context. Listen to the end of the podcast and I will tell you how to submit questions and ideas for future episodes. Yes, and, and it's important that uh, I make a clarification. You understand my use of some terminology. Uh, in all of these podcasts, you, you know, I mentioned spiritual maturity and spiritual growth and those things consistently. Some people, when they hear those terms, especially if they've gone to church all their lives, might be tended to think about attending classes or amassing uh, intellectual understanding. And, and that's not what I mean when I talk about spiritual maturity or spiritual growth. I'm talking about first-person, hands-on, experiential knowledge of God. Spiritual maturity is knowing Him. It's not about what you know, it's about who you know. And that's what I mean when I talk about spiritual maturity and spiritual growth. If the relationship is strong and growing, everything else that's necessary to life as a follower of Jesus Christ will flow from that. In fact, we want you to know that we named the podcast The Spiritual Coaching Dashboard because just like the dashboard in your car, there are warning lights in our lives. They indicate to us that we need to do some heart work with God in order to step into our full potential. We need someone more qualified and experienced to do spiritual wrenching on our souls in order to improve our performance. Our dream for you is that you would unlock your potential through a heart healthy enough to know God deeply and follow Him fully, and then to pass your experience on to others. 
Now, without further delay, here is today's content. In this episode, I'm going to pull a fast one on you. I promised that uh, we would begin a three-part mini-series on the subject of when a demanding season has been a long enough season. I was going to talk to you today. I was going to talk you through how to handle a season of ministry that is intense and, and threatens to damage you and your relationship with friends and, and family and God. I'm still going to do that, but not till the next episode. Uh, today, for this episode, I'm going to continue the discussion about being benched by God. Uh, now, for this to make the greatest impact on you, uh, make the most sense to you, it's best that you go back and catch the previous episode. I described being benched by God as when He pauses or ends or removes something you value and does not explain or replace it. It's when God gives you post-dated marching orders and nothing to do in the meantime. Benching happens when God sits you down and says, I'll get back to you. It's when he takes away meaningful ministry or work, and all he says is, trust me. The change creates a sudden wound. The lack of explanation leaves you silently wondering, and the absence of a replacement forces you to sit and wait. Wounded, wondering, and waiting. That is what it's like to be benched by God. So in the, in the last episode, just to summarize real quick, Real quick, I said that what God does while you wait is is as valuable as what you're waiting for, okay? So what God does while you're benched, while you're in that waiting season, it's as valuable as what you're waiting for and that eventually becomes yours uh, in the next season. Three lessons, three lessons from the sidelines. One, when benched, focus on God and not the next task. Wait closely. Uh, Sideline lesson two, when benched, focus on the present and the future and wait currently. And then three, when benched, focus on faith, not comfort, and wait courageously. So here's why I stuck this unplanned episode into the mix. While reading the Bible uh, the other morning, I was reminded that there's a great example of being benched by God, told in the story about David's long wait to become the king of Israel. Let's set the stage with a Reader's Digest condensed version of the story. So, so King Saul makes a mess of things, and God rejects him as king. He sends the prophet Samuel out to anoint the very young shepherd named David. David ends up in King Saul's court as a musician that helps calm Saul when he's agitated. Uh, he becomes a very agitated and fearful guy after Samuel informs him that God has rejected him because of his rebellion and disobedience. Then David kills Goliath. Things are definitely looking up now for David. He not only wins the prestigious one-on-one fight that, uh, uh, you know, and he, he turns to lead a victorious battle against the enemy after he kills Goliath. Goliath isn't the only victory in that story, actually. Uh, and he is given, even given King Saul's daughter in marriage, as was promised to the man who would kill the giant. Uh, the people are singing songs about his military prowess. And that is when uh, they're, they're singing uh, songs about how he is more successful than Saul. And that is when things begin to go downhill. A very jealous Saul makes multiple unsuccessful attempts on David's life. Uh, David's skill at dodging spears in battle saves him from Saul's javelin. Uh, Saul's own son and daughter have to intervene to save David's life. Now, keep my promise, keep the story short. While running for his life, he has to feign insanity, begs food from a priest, and ends up hiding in a cave. The very priest that gave him food, the very priests that gave him food are slaughtered. 85, along with their families and livestock, because he told them he was running an errand for the king, not that he was running from the king. 
Imagine the pain, guilt, and doubt and regret that heaped upon him and, and while David's sitting on this bench. And and he was on the bench, so to speak, for 12 or 13 years before, before becoming king of Judah, but roughly 15 to 20 years before he finally becomes king of all Israel, which is what he was promised. At the front end of his wait, we find Dave hiding in a cave. As the narrative advances, we find David and his men wandering in the wilderness to avoid detection, dodging engagement, choosing to stay where God put him, on the bench, instead of finding a way off it. While hunted by Saul, protected from discovery by God, twice he could have ended it all by taking advantage of a clear opportunity to kill King Saul. He could have left the cave behind for the throne room of a palace and sent his many companions home to their families. Those very companions are, of course, urging him to kill Saul. Once in the very cave he hid in, well, actually it was a cave, I'm not sure which one it was, and once as Saul slept at his feet after David had snuck into the camp. But he resists the push and pull of peer pressure of his own bottled and throttled energy and capacity and destiny to wait for God's timing. His men see God's hand in the opportunity, but David sees something else. There's no way he's going to help God's plan along in his own power, especially by raising his hand against someone God has put in power and has seen fit to leave there for the time being. Those two events are in 1 Samuel 24 and 26 when he could have taken Saul's life. He did not know how or when God would end Saul, but it was God's choice to make, not uh, uh, when to end his life, especially one chosen and appointed and prompted by God. It wasn't David's choice. He understood that. He had been rejected and ejected only by man, not by God, even though the pause would have made it feel like maybe God had rejected and ejected him. King Saul was where the action was, and the, the current anointing for that matter, as well as the national support. He was the epitome of in the game. Where was David? Hiding in a cave. After fanning insanity and being rejected again, he had to sit still and watch the nation he loved and would one day rule, suffer under King Saul's unpredictable rule. When he observed injustice from afar and noticed areas where improvement could and should be made for the welfare of the people, he had no power or opportunity to do anything. Close enough to see, to be frustrated, to be almost there, and yet far enough to be powerless and forced to do nothing. In fact, when he got curious or impatient, ventured from his damp and dank confinements, and allowed himself to get drawn in too close, bad things happened to others. Many people died when they innocently gave aid to David. He took the the sword of Goliath, which was rightfully his, and even ate the bread consecrated to God. He was so hungry, and he got 85 priests and their families slaughtered, as I mentioned. So occasionally he emerged, when he emerged, he was able to um, lend some aid. First uh, Samuel 23, you can find that. But that only led to the wilderness and betrayal and more hiding from Saul that drove him deeper into the wilderness. Only news of war in the homeland, to which Saul had to return, um, uh, saved David from detection. Surely this experience helped him wait later during the many years on the bench so that his followers were not sacrificed on the altar of his promotion <coughs> or vengeance or impatience. Sticks his head out of the cave and, um, yeah, 85 people experienced great tragedy. And I'm sure that taught him a wonderful lesson. Like Goliath's sword, the kingdom was rightfully his also. 
but that, the kingdom, he didn't take. Starting a fight is a very different matter from taking the spoils of war after God has called us into a fight. We must wait for God's leading, giving, give him credit for the victory um, before the spoils are ours. He was anointed, but for a future time. Commissioned, but the time was not yet. With no explanation other than it will someday be your kingdom, God is in that cave with him. At least as far as David's relationship with God goes. Right after huge victories, when things seem to be going so well, when he has the king's favor and everybody else's for that matter, God lets things go sideways, pauses his progress, and benches him. Let's take a short break so you can rest your brain. You've been used to a new episode each week as we work through our first three seasons. As we move into season four, the episodes will drop less frequently, but at least once a month. Whatever the reason and from wherever you are listening, we are so glad you have come along for the ride. That is why we are excited to invite you to help us determine some of our future content. At the close of this episode, we will tell you how you can send your questions, ideas for topics, and suggested book reviews. If this podcast is helpful, we ask that you take a moment to rate, follow, and share it on whatever platform you use to stream content, so that others can find us too. All right, let's finish today's episode of this podcast. Although God, as I said, is in the cave where David was, neither God nor David are stagnant while this waiting is going on. David's character is being further developed, the fear of God over the fear of man, differentiating himself from the crowd, from cultural pressure and temptation to conform, uh, patience and self-control, learning to hear God, embracing discomfort and God's blessing over comfort without it, being burdened and called, but refusing to make a way to step into it before God is ready for him to do so. Um before God has him ready to do so. All that was happening, whether or not David saw it, or understood it, and realized what was going on, viewed it as important or not, he was not stagnant. Consider what it says about David's time in the cave and in the wilderness. First Samuel 22, it says, So David left Gath and escaped to the cave of Adullam. Soon his brothers and all his other relatives joined him there. Then others began coming. Men who were in trouble or in debt, who were just discontented, until David was a captain of about 400 men. Then the next chapter, it says, So David and his men, about 600 of them now, began roaming the countryside, where it soon reached Saul that David had escaped. Uh, so he didn't go to Keilah after all. David now stayed in the strongholds of the wilderness and in the hill country of Ziphah. Saul hunted him day after day, but God didn't let Saul find him. Meanwhile, David's men had moved into the wilderness. When David heard that Saul and his men were searching for him, he went even further into the wilderness. A couple things stand out from these verses. Uh, first is that David was a leader. He couldn't help but be a leader. Other warriors and those that were down and out were attracted to him. Not all leaders are this attractive, nor do they need to be, but every leader eventually finds that people are following of their own accord. Even as an, an outcast who, who was going nowhere, doing little or nothing, people wanted to follow him. I'm not sure how many of them knew where they were going, but, you know, wherever they were going, um, that wherever he was going, they apparently wanted to go with him. 
Um, he excelled where he was. David excelled where he was. Um, he was who he was, where he was. They may have been a, a band of uh, malcontents and misfits, but they found something worth their allegiance in David. Surely relationships and bonds were being made that lasted a lifetime. We know that is true because they followed him even when he was apparently running like a coward deeper and deeper into the wilderness, out into the middle of nowhere. All those men, strong men, valiant men, physically mighty and strong of heart and will as well, they needed to be led. David was not only learning how to lead those who could be difficult to lead, but he was learning about particular gifts of specific men who he later would appoint to various positions in his administration. Whether it was David that was growing, or his connections, or the, the character of, the, of those connections, his presence, character, and leadership molded them, allowing some serious development to happen. The bench was a bla- place of great activity. He had just to, to settle down there temporarily, temporarily, but contently, patiently, tenaciously, for the good to be done in that season to get done. Seems David successfully got others who would normally be the last to sit down to join him on that bench. He not only sat down where God put him himself, but he attracted others to the same weight. Surely David could attract and retrain and retain those lies because he could relate to them from his own story, because they could relate to his story, because they wanted the strength David had to um, excel where he was, even when the plan was working it was taking far too long to develop. Even when the, the vision seemed to have no hope of being realized, they respected his courage, his fight, his resolve, his abilities in battle and on the bench. He was not just a warrior who's a poet, a songwriter, musician. Uh, he was strong enough to be both fierce warrior and impassioned worshiper. His faith was strong enough to last all the days of prolonged waiting because his heart was big enough, humble enough, soft enough, transparent enough to reveal his strength, his resolve, hard enough to stand loyal to God no matter what. His lyrics and melodies were sung at night around the campfires, keeping the fires in their bellies stoked as well. And what do we know of David after God pushed play again, after the pause was over, after his life and career are are, are allowed to move forward again after he finished with God after God finishes with Saul and Jonathan for that matter after things were made ready for David to emerge once God had perfectly set the stage he was eventually able to reunite the kingdom into a a cohesive whole surely there were warriors among his men from every tribe in Israel that made the merger possible Immediately, he leads that combined army up to Jerusalem and despite their overconfidence and taunts, takes it, makes it his own, and makes it his capital. Ever since, that city has played a huge role in world history. Then he defeated his, his constant enemy, the Philistines. His accomplishments just kept rolling on from there. Do not think that God's pause was random, without purpose, or had little or no effect on these outcomes. Well, the following verses were written after David's time. It makes you wonder if the, if the author, or, or God who inspired him, had David's story in mind. Habakkuk 2.3 says, This vision is for a future time. It describes the end, and it will be fulfilled. If it seems slow in coming, wait patiently, for it will surely take place. It will not be delayed. 
That's the New Living Translation. Let me read it to you from the New American uh, Standard Bible. Sounds a little different, but same idea. For the vision is yet for an appointed time. It hastens towards a goal, and it will not fail. Though it tarries, wait for it. For it will certainly come, it will not delay. I think if I could put my spin on that, it's saying sit down and sit still and shut up. If God has you on the bench, you best better be on the bench with him because that's where he is in your life. Any place else, putting yourself into the game prematurely, trying to push the version the vision forward, trying to force it into being fulfilled, trying to end the delay is not what you need to be doing. It seems David somehow knew that what God does while you wait is as as valuable as what you were waiting for. In fact, he must have come to believe that what God does while you wait is critical to what he does when the wait is over. David kept his focus on God through obedience and patience and worship. His next mission would come soon enough. He he was present focused, not so fixated on the future that he missed opportunities in the present or wasted the chance to grow himself or others right where he was. He certainly was not focused on his physical comfort or any other comfort or luxury for that matter, or he would have taken matters into his hands long before God was ready to, to put him back in the game. His courage showed not just in his skills in combat, but in his relationship with God, his faith in God's promise, his trust in God's character, and his willingness to play whatever role God chose for him. Remember these lessons from the sideline. When benched, focus on God, not the next task. Wait closely. When benched, focus on the present, not the future. Wait currently. When benched, focus on faith, not comfort. Wait courageously. Next time on the Spiritual Coaching Dashboard, yes, I promise, next time our topic will cover three episodes um, and we'll address when a demanding season has been a long enough season. And I will talk you through how to handle a season of ministry that is intense, threatens to damage you in your relationship with your friends and family and God. Uh, As spiritual coaches, you will face this dilemma yourself and will undoubtedly have to coach others through it as well. listening to this episode. If you heard something that got your attention, whether it be for your own relationship with God or for coaching others, do not waste the divine nudge. Be sure to take the time to think through how God would have you work the new thought into your life and practice. If you do spiritual coaching, either formally or informally, remember that it is hard to lead where you have never been. We firmly believe that God will exchange the wounding of the past for the wellness of the future. A transformation that frees us to be wholeheartedly available to Him and those near us. As we walk into that healing, we gain the humble confidence and godly credibility needed to step unrestricted into the life and impact God has for us. And when we experience that for ourselves, it gives us a compelling story from which to call others to experience the same. We pray that God uses the Spiritual Coaching Dashboard to inform and transform your life before it reaches another. If you would like to submit a question or topic for a future episode of our podcast, here as promised is the contact information. The email address is carry at tworivers.church or text at SC Dashboard from the social media platform of your choice. 
Again, thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time on the Spiritual Coaching Dashboard.